Welcome to We Hear Her. I am Erin Trenbeth Murray. And I am Jennifer Bean. We're here today with another amazing woman who's sharing her story and insights to lessons learned. Hi there, this is Erin Trenbeth Murray with our We Hear Her podcast through Women Who Succeed. And I'm so excited today to get to speak to Chowie Hoy, who is one of our members and has a really interesting background, combination of business and tech all rolled into one. She is the Director of Global Operations at Arctech, ArcServe, excuse me, ArcServe, a data encryption backup and recovery leader. Her background in engineering and business has given her the opportunities in research with small R&D firms to program management in IPO startups and working in large organizations such as Central, Intel Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, mm -hmm. wow. Chowie received a Bachelor of Science in Computers and Computer Engineering from the Electrical and Computer Engineering Department at the University of Utah and a Master in Business Administration from the University of Utah, David Eccles School of Business. Chowie has been honored as the youngest rising star, top 40, under 40 by Utah Business Magazine, has received the Rising Star 2010 Women Tech Award from Women Tech Council, and is a governor appointed member of the State of Utah's Science, Technology, Engineering, and Mathematics Action Center Board. Lastly, but most importantly, as we're gonna chat today, Chowie loves being a mother, is passionate about her new places and new foods, and finds being active and outside restorative. She, her husband, young sons live in Salt Lake City, and um, with they have a beloved dog who I'd love to learn the dog's name, so I don't <laughs> have that. And with that, I'm going to introduce uh, Chowie. Hello, hello. Um, our dog's name is Coda. 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 What kind of dog is Coda? He is. Uh, a lab and Australian shepherd mix. Nice. Yes, he was he was a pandemic puppy. <laughs> oh, I needed one of those. I couldn't quite get it over the finish line with, the, with my husband. But, well, I'm so glad you took time to be with us. You have quite the busy life, and um, we're really grateful that you're involved with Women Who Succeed and bringing in that science and te technology elements to the group. Um, but I'd love to learn a little bit about, more about you personally, and you mentioned to me earlier from Tennessee. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about where you're from and what brought you here. Yeah. Um, so I was born in Memphis. Mm -hmm. Apparently, I've been to Graceland many mm. times. Um, we left before I was one, though. Mm -hmm. um, and so my parents went out there. My parents are from Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And uh, they went out there. My mom went out there um, as a nurse, and my dad went for graduate school. And then after graduate school, uh, they moved to Salt Lake here. And we've been here ever since. Ever since. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Skyline High School. I knew you. I don't know why <laughs> I knew that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> city so. girl. A city girl. So tell me a little bit more about your mom and dad. What, what, were, what was it like growing up in, in your family? You know, they, it's so funny because they are the opposite of what you'd think of as like a stereotypical Asian immigrant family, right? Like all of all of my peers whose families also came from Taiwan um, as immigrants, they they had a lot of Kumon. I don't know if you're familiar mm. with that, but it's um, like an after-school math and yeah. reading yeah. program. Yeah. Um, they had a lot of Kumon. They had a lot of extra this and that, and you know they were really pressured to get straight A's and go to the Ivy League schools and mm. and my. 
my parents were literally, my mom was just like, don't kill yourself, just pass. Oh my right? She's <laughs> like, it's just, not worth it. Just get over there. <laughs> just pass. Yeah. And, um, and it's so funny because I, I wonder if because of that <laughs> attitude, um, I have a younger brother. And we had to take it upon ourselves, right? Like, we're not getting that pressure from mom and dad. We need to get our own stuff together. Oh. And, um, and then talking to them now, because I'm, I'm forcing my child to go through Kumon, right? And my mom's just like, why are you doing that? You guys turned out just fine. And oh, that's funny. He hates it. He's going to hate math, you know? And, um, and it's so funny because we talk about this all the time. Like, yeah, I, because you guys didn't have me do it, I feel like, I feel like my peers were just... I don't know they had it more together maybe mm. I don't know but it's just it's so funny because they're just not they're not your stereotypical go get straight A's mm -hmm. you know go to an Ivy League school it was like just do what makes you happy what do you think just that what turning point what... was for her why do you think if culturally she was raised that way what do you think was the switch to be like take it easy relax a little bit enjoy smell the roses yeah you know I think maybe because she was push so hard yeah. and she was like I don't know if it's worth it <laughs> yeah. and yeah. I don't know if um yeah and your mom's one of our members yes Doris yes. so mm -hmm. excited yeah good so so it's just really funny that that they're like that and also you know between the two um my mom's also very much more no-nonsense mm. you know for instance I remember um, when I had my first like bad breakup in high school, right? My mom, she was just like, "Oh, we never liked him anyway. <laughs> we never it's really fine. liked him. It's fine." <laughs> and my dad was the one um, who, after dinner, would be like, "Okay, let's go on a walk. <laughs> you know, let's talk it through." And yeah, yeah. And so they're very non-stereotypical, I guess, in all aspects. <laughs> well, do you think that how is that influenced or not? influenced it sounds like you're with your parenting how many kids do you have we have two we've got two. two boys and how old are they they are seven and two soon to be eight and three. Oh my gosh and so yeah we're i'm momming so hard right now <laughs> <laughs> That's a new, i haven't heard that phrase we would have to use that one so in your momming hard kind of what's that what does it look like in your household compared to how you were raised um we're extremely structured um and I feel like my kids just need that. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just me. It's, it's probably me. I decided <laughs> that. And so, um, so yeah, we have, I don't want to say we have strict bedtime, so we have fairly strict guidelines, right, by, you know, we typically try to have dinner started or at least made around 5 so that we can eat at 6. If we're not home to actually make it, I will actually call DoorDash yeah. and have it sent. So you um, can stay that consistent routine. That consistent routine. Yeah. Because because um, our youngest is two, almost three, he's still his bedtime's still around seven, seven sure. thirty. Sure. Right. And so we don't have a huge window of time by the time we both get home from work and you know, there's only this tiny bit of time. And we still have dinner and bath time and and they want to run around and do silly, sure. crazy things, right? And so, so there's that where, okay, 6 o'clock, we need to eat. Um, by 7.30, uh, usually it's bath time. And then hopefully, if all goes well, right, everyone's in bed and sleeping by 8. Although, very rarely does that go well. <laughs> Everyone, us. including you. 
Uh, <laughs> ideally, ideally, yes. Oftentimes, um, if they are able to go down, um, oftentimes my husband and I will actually jump back on the computer and yeah. just do one last After check, sleep, right? Sure, and, sure. Because we're we're kind of the zero inbox type people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it just mm-hmm. stresses us out having something in the inbox, even I if it's I liked like, you. There's so bad. much I like about you. <laughs> When I had, so my son Jackson, my firstborn, and I cleave to structure myself, and Mm -hmm. I think it it just happens to make me, I think, a happier, better mom. Mm -hmm. Then I don't feel unwound. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) But they definitely, I don't think it hurt them, but they're definitely not very um, structured people themselves. But they, when he was an infant, like I was recording bowel movements yeah, and how much I, I yes. fed them and yes. what time did I feed them yeah. in this little booklet. It's a little crazy mm-hmm. time. Yeah. But um, it's now done by apps. Yeah. Yeah. It's all like <laughs> I didn't click, notebook. click, click. <laughs> and you can share the app so like other tarot takers, right, know exactly what's happening. They pooped three hours ago. Yeah. They should be pooping again. Exactly. <laughs> They're right on my schedule. Oh, that's the definite right in parenting. It's when you think you've got it all figured out, but you don't. Yeah. You just change it the next month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, so true. So having two young sons, it's so fun to hear you as a mom. My boys are four years apart. Now mm-hmm. they're 22 and 18. I love that. What are you hoping your relationship looks like with your sons when they're my son's age? You know, it's so funny because my sons are five years apart. Mm-hmm. So very close um, to what mm-hmm. you have in your dynamic. And I have a very good friend from college. Her kids, her two boys are now 17 and 12 or 13. So kind of similar. And I talked to this kind of thing about with her all the time right and when they're that age older I they're off doing their own thing Mm -hmm. even even my friends children right 13 and 17 they're kind of 17 year old definitely he's got so much with school he's looking at schools and probably going to be out next year Um, there's just so much going on Um, but they're still really close and I love that I love that they're so close. And one thing that stresses me out, because she talks about it now, you know, she's like, you know, our oldest is going to be married probably in the next 10 years. And at that point, you know, there's that saying, when they get married, you lose your son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? They go with the wife's yeah, family. Yeah, you gain a daughter-in-law, mm-hmm. um, uh, but you, you definitely lose your son at that point. Um, and, and I've seen that certainly with my family, right? And, and how it works in, in our dynamic. And, and that kind of stresses me out. Like I think about it, I get itchy. And I'm just like, oh no, we're gonna, you know, cause um, having, having kids, especially maybe boys, I, it's changed everything for me. Like the second I became a mom, all my priorities shifted. Mm-hmm like 180 like <laughs> people are just like who are you yeah and um yeah and so i i hope that we remain very close i hope i hope i like who they end up with right, right? i have to think like those poor girls that are going to marry my boys I know. i'm going to be the nightmare mother-in-law I know. i'm going to try so hard not to be but i'm just worried oh my gosh. <laughs> i feel that way too i feel that way like yeah and i've had an amazing mother-in-law mm-hmm. i mean it's been it's been amazing having her and she's she's helpful she's she's nosy but in a good way mm-hmm. when she needs to be and not at all you know what i mean yeah. um 
because my husband and I, we were actually together for almost a full decade before we even decided to get engaged. Just mm -hmm. because we got to, when we first started dating, we were still so young. And, um, and never once did she say, so when are you guys going to get married? When right. are, that was my dad. My dad was the one who was like, hey, so when are you having children before we were married? Right? He's like, like what? we could wait. I've got this herniated disc. If, if you don't have them soon, I can't like hold them and play with them. You can just long. Well, tell me, your boys, you talked a little bit, it kind of makes you itchy or a little stressful. What, what else causes maybe anxiety or stress a little bit about parenting and, and being trying to be the best mom you possibly can be? Yeah. You know, one thing I worry quite a bit about is being a helicopter parent because yeah. I feel like I have that tendency anyway. Um, there's this really great book uh, written by the Dean of Admissions at Stanford, and I can't remember her name for the life of me, but it's called How to Raise an Adult. And my concern is rather than preparing my boys for any path ahead of them, I'm worried that I'm always trying to prep the path so it's easy for them, right? And, and that's not helpful to them. <laughs> in any way they need to be agile they need to be able to think on their feet they need to be able to adapt things are i mean just this last year in the pandemic yeah. things have changed so much um and this might happen multiple times in their lifetime and they need to be prepared right? and so it's the idea of how do you prepare children so that they can adapt to any awful thing thrown in front of them not just adapt from an emotional whatever perspective, but also from a career perspective, right? We have people changing their careers in droves right now because they're realizing, right. I don't have to deal with that. I don't want to deal with certain things. And, and how do you prepare them so that they can make that shift whenever it's right for them in, throughout their lifetime? It's a tough balance, though, isn't it? Because you're trying to make sure they're not failing. <laughs> But yeah. yet you want them to fail fast and be a gracious, be gracious at it and learn mm -hmm. from it and mm -hmm. pivot and overcome. Mm -hmm. But it's, I found it really, really hard, especially elementary in the first part of junior high in letting my boys fail. And I wish I would have let them fail more that's and not saved them so much no, because high school, they're on their own. Like yeah. they're really on their own. And I should, I think I padded the, the landing a little bit too much. Mm -hmm. In fact, a helicopter mom, Harrison, in fourth grade drew me or third grade drew me a picture and framed it for Mother's Day and it was a helicopter and he wrote helicopter mom on it. <laughs> I have it in my office as a reminder. That's kind of cute. <laughs> kind of not and scary at the same time. Well, I want to ask you, I know you're put forth, I mean, you were willing to talk to me today about motherhood and talk a little bit about your parents that came from Taiwan. Mm -hmm. Have you... With, with your background and heritage, are you concerned at all about your children with racism, mm -hmm. um, how that may be affecting them, the, the change in the landscape? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, that's especially poignant now, right? Yeah. Um, so in the last couple of years, certainly in the last four years, um, I saw the statistic that Asian hate has actually gone up by like 380%. That's horrible. And, you know, you hear about random attacks on elderly people yeah. <laughs> right of all things um i will say we're fortunate enough that the the schools that my children are in they really embrace that heritage so they haven't felt that or seen that yet mm -hmm. 
but I will say, you know, there was a point where, you know, my husband being Caucasian, my children don't look fully mm -hmm. Chinese. Mm -hmm. And and there was a moment in time I was grateful mm. for that. Because um, you, do, you do hear about, you know, the, the eight-year-old in his second grade and friends that he's known since kindergarten making fun of him, right? Or saying, go back to where you're from. And he's like, I was freaking born here. Right. <laughs> I'm from down the street. And so, um, so yeah, it's something that I'm very concerned about. Um, I personally don't know how to combat that except to teach them and instill them to be proud of who they are, you know, and, and part of that is always act with integrity. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, and know that just because someone calls you a name doesn't mean that is part of your identity. Right. If anything, it's them, right? For sure. It's them. And an understanding, if they're trying to say something that is mean and hurtful, it's because that's probably something that has felt mean and hurtful to them, for them to turn around to know how to even use that kind of language. And so, I don't know, it's hard. It's so hard, and it's something it's something I haven't had to address with my two-year-old, right? Because he's still into dinosaurs and not really fully aware of anything right. else at this point. But some of these conversations we have started having with my seven and almost eight-year-old. Sure. And, and he doesn't get it, right? He's like, well, how come, you know, this and how come that? And, you know, his class is really diverse, which is also nice. Um, they embrace everything. In fact, he recently, another child in his class um, has decided, I don't know if they're trying out a new gender or what, but mm -hmm. you know, instead of a, a female sounding mm -hmm. name, they mm -hmm. now have a male sounding name. Mm -hmm. And the class has fully embraced this little person. Oh, that's and great. it's no big deal. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. We're now going to call this person this name instead. Mm -hmm. And it's not a big deal. And they're still they still typically play with the same group of girls, right? Mm -hmm. And I even asked my son, have you invited him, you know, this person to play with your group of boys? Because they have separated out mm -hmm. to that a little bit more. Sure, they're seven or eight. Yeah, they're going to. Yeah, and, and my son has said, yeah, we've, we've tried, but they want to still play with sure. Emily and so-and-so, you know? And so it's like, all right, cool. And they're just super open and just loving to everybody in their class and so so luckily so far we haven't had any incidents but it's certainly something that I'm trying to wrap my head around how to prep the boys right because it's likely unfortunately it's likely they'll run into something, something some ugly person that can't mm -hmm. yeah and they wouldn't and here's the thing it's somebody who is going to know enough about them to know their heritage because they don't look they're clearly mixed race. Yeah. You can't tell what they are. Yeah. So it's going to come from somebody who knows yeah. exactly how, what their makeup is, right? Their ethnic makeup. And that's going to be, it's going to be hurtful when it happens. So hard for a mom. I can't even <laughs> imagine. I mean, I honestly can't because you do everything you can to protect every element, physical or emotional, from your children. It's hard when they stop getting invited to a birthday party or, yeah. a, you know, most of the class was invited but yeah. four kids weren't or yeah. something. It just is so heart-wrenching 
But that is a whole nother level. I mean, just hearing you when you were talking, we both kind of teared up and it was just, it broke my heart um, when you said something to the effect of early on, you said, I, I don't, um, I think you said they, I, they don't look, my husband's Caucasian, they don't look Chinese, but, and I was okay with that. Mm-hmm. Like just to, to negate the pain and suffering that could come. Mm-hmm. And I can't even imagine when you see stories on the news Oh, I would be infuriated. I mean, I, yeah. I am infuriated, but that would make me just out of my skin and the protective mama bear, mm-hmm. I bet, just comes out. Well, what's frustrating is you hear about these stories and the adults in the situation don't do anything, right? The teachers don't say anything. The administration of that school doesn't say anything. Or maybe they have, and it's just not in the article. Right? Yeah. Well, that's, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But that alone is just like, where are the adults in this situation? Yeah. Where are the adults? Um, and, and then half the time you wonder, well, maybe they feel the same way, mm-hmm. right? And that's right. why they're not stepping in. And by not saying anything, you're, you're basically endorsing it. Exactly. For exactly. Sure. And that's not okay. Well, you're, um, I, w- I would lo- I feel like I could talk to you for like a 24 hours straight, but I'd love for you as we kind of close out, I mean, you clearly are in a very invested mother, um, deeply engaged trying to find that balance of of structure and <laughs> happiness and freedom <laughs> yeah. if you find it let me know what that is <laughs> but do you have i was thinking later today and uh, we're going to be talking to some folks that as male allies mm-hmm. and my boys uh, it's huge priority for me to mm-hmm. raise them to be respectful of of all people but especially women mm-hmm. and um that's been really important for me and i'm Love it if you might be able to share some advice with any young men um, out there that might hear this podcast about how they can look or approach or think about helping young women to build their confidence. You know, that's such a good, that's such a good question. And it goes back to this allyship, right? And Mm -hmm. to be an ally, I think somebody needs to know what to look out for. For example, for example, if you're in a group setting and there is a young woman who is always interrupted, be the person to say, well, hang on, let her finish. Oh, that's a good right? example. I like that one. Um, or stuff like that that people just tend to naturally do. They don't mean to do it, right? I'm sure people who are the interrupters, they're not trying to specifically always step on somebody, um, but be that person. And I guess it doesn't need to be, it could be for anybody, right? Even if another male is often being interrupted, stop that other person and say, well, hang on, let, let mm-hmm. them finish their thought, but then we'll get to yours, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think that's a good start. There's just so much of just the little things that people can do that that makes it more cognizant in a group setting, okay, we need to ensure people are able to get their thoughts out and and speak freely without feeling conscious that they're going to say something wrong, right? Mm-hmm. And um, stand up, right? Stand up. That's what, that's what I tell my oldest all the time. If you see something, stand up for that person. And what's interesting is he's done this ever since three pre-K, four pre-K, and he now, 
I feel like it has strengthened his leadership abilities. Because when you're three or four, your mom's telling you, speak up, stand up, don't, if you see somebody being mean to another person, yeah. tell them to stop, right? And it's easier when you're three to four to start doing that kind of thing. And now that he is eight years old with his peers, um, he's told me stories where someone will say something and start to be mean to another person and see that he's nearby and then not. And I think, if anything, I mean, that, that kind of presence where people know we're going to be safe when he's around, I think that's a huge, huge thing. And it makes me really proud to know that he's known as somebody who will stick up for other people when people are being mean. <laughs> right. Is that the ultimate is like when you know your, the pride that your child is kind? Yeah advocates yeah. for others, mm -hmm. respectful, looks out for the underdog. Mm -hmm. Like, I love that. That fills my heart. And every night, you know, our ritual every night, and this is probably why bedtime drags so long. <laughs> <laughs> but we talk about, um, and we should do it at the dinner table, but for some reason he doesn't talk about it at the dinner table. It's, he's tucked in. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to pretend to sleep next to him too, so mm -hmm. he'll just sleep, right? Yeah. But he'll say, but we talk about what's the best part of your day, what's the worst part of your day, and what did you do to be kind? And he loves it. He loves it. There was one night I was out um, for a business dinner, so I got home late. My husband did bedtime. I walked by. It was late. He should have been sleeping. And I walked by his room, and I heard him go, Mom, Mom. You know, my first reaction was, what are you doing up? Right? He's like, Mom, I need to tell you about the best part and worst part of my day. And then he was like, and I've got a really good, kind story. Come in. You know? And so it was, it was great. It was really good that he, he saves these stories for, for mama. me. Yeah. For Mama. Well, I yeah. love that. Well, Chowie, thank you so much for spending time with us on the podcast. I thank know you. a thank lot. You. It'll be out there, young women, hopefully young men, as well <laughs> as the women in our group and others. Um, I just think it's just remarkable. You, you're such a incredibly well-rounded, I guess is the word. Like you're mm -hmm. so bright Thanks. and accomplished, <laughs> but you're so down to earth Thank at you. the same time. And I loved more than anything when we, you and I were emailing a little bit and you suggested the conversation about motherhood. I'm like, <laughs> she could talk about her engineering degree. She could talk about all this tech stuff and go way above my head. And <laughs> I love that that is your number one priority. So thank you for having you. me. This was so much fun. <laughs> my pleasure. That's it. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking time to hear her. Join our efforts and learn more at womenwhosucceed.org. A big thank you to our sponsor, the Clark and Christine Ivory Foundation.